Amen. As we're standing, let me read uh, the passage of scripture that we're going to be guided by today. It's uh, the Apostle Paul, his letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. This is God's word to us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human being. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who is such an incredible savior. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now to speak to us and that we would hear you and we would respond to you and you would, you would bring transformation and wholeness into our relationships, into our lives. We, we thank you. We thank you that your presence really is an open door. And so we open the door of our hearts to all that you want to do and say in us, to us, and through us. So speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Well, we're really glad. I'm glad all of you are here. We're in the midst of a teaching series in which we're talking about relationships, how to experience emotionally healthy relationships. Each week, uh, we're talking about a very practical, very practical things that can have a significant impact upon our relationships. And that's especially true with the topic we're looking at today, which is listening. Listening, the incredible life-giving power of listening. This is one of those topics that I love to talk about because it can have an immediate positive impact on all your relationships, your marriage, your friendships, your relationship with your children, your dating relationship, your relationship with neighbors or coworkers. All of those relationships will significantly improve if you and I apply the things that we're going to talk about in this message. So why is listening so significant and so impactful? Here's why. Every human being... At a core level, every human being longs for three things, to be seen, to be heard, and to be known. Listening enables all three of those to happen. Listening is a powerful expression of love. David Augsburger writes, being heard is so close to being loved that for most people they are almost indistinguishable. He is absolutely right. To be listened to, really listened to, is to experience love. And to listen to someone, to really listen to someone, is to demonstrate love. I mean, no wonder James tells us in James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, that's not how we we typically approach relationships, is it? Our typical approach to relationships is to speak first and loudest, 
to interrupt if necessary in order to get our point across as effectively and forcefully as possible. Boom, right? Uh, but, but to what end? What is the relational impact of being quick to speak and slow to listen? I think we all know the answer to that question. How do you feel when someone gets their point across without ever really listening to you? Does that make you want to go deeper with this person? Does it make you feel valued and loved? No, the reality is, if we do not listen well, we are not loving well. And our relationships will feel the impact. Now, the flip side of this is also true. If we do listen well, we will be pouring life into our relationships. We will be demonstrating a love that will deepen our relationships. And here's the cool thing. It will transform us. It will transform us. This is the real power of listening. It helps us become more like Jesus. Listening helps us become more like Jesus. So this message is not simply another seminar on listening skills. This is an invitation from God to us to be formed more and more into the image of our Savior. So in the passage we read just a moment ago from Philippians 2, Paul uses the example of Jesus to show us how to love each other better. And what he describes there speaks powerfully to how each one of us can become better listeners. So in this passage, we see three critical aspects of life-giving listening. And they fit, they, 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 they fit into this totally cheesy acronym um, that I'm going to leverage unashamedly. Um, so the acronym is VIP, okay? VIP, which is appropriate because good listening helps the other person feel like a VIP to you, okay? Um, so the first characteristic of good listening is value. Valuing the other person. Look again at, at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility... <clears throat> value others above yourselves. See, if we think good listening is just about a few techniques to try on our spouse or friends, we will not see any real impact in our relationships because good listening is not simply a technique. It is a heart issue. The heart is the location of our values, of our loves. If, if, if I don't truly value the person in front of me, I won't listen well to them. I, I won't give them my time. I won't give them my undivided attention. I mean, imagine if some celebrity that you, you, you look up to, you admire, imagine if some celebrity that you admire walks up to you. They walked up to you and they started speaking to you. Would you pay attention to them? Absolutely. You would drop everything you were doing to listen to this person. Why? Because you value them. You value them. Your decision to give your undivided attention to someone is directly tied to your value of them. I mean, cons so consider this. Every person you come across during a typical day, at work, in your family, at your school, every person you interact with is an image bearer of God. They have value to God, so much value that Jesus gave his life 
for them. He loves them that much. And here's what is so cool. We have the opportunity to value them like Jesus does by choosing to listen to them, by choosing to give them our undivided attention, by choosing to look them in the eyes, which is the window of the soul, right? Our eyes are the window of the soul. Looking them in the eyes, listening is this incredibly sacred, beautiful demonstration of Christ-like value and love. Okay, so what is one of the biggest barriers to us valuing people in this way? That's an easy, easy answer, I think. Distractions. Distractions. A recent study found that the average iPhone user touches their phone over 2,000 times a day. 2,000 times a day. Think of how this is impacting our ability to truly focus on someone and give them our undivided attention. The other day, Raylene and I were on a, a date. Um, we were having dinner at Texas Roadhouse. K-State was playing a, a basketball game. I don't know why I even care anymore what the score is because they're doing so terrible this year. But I had my ESPN open, app open um, and my phone on the table so I could periodically check the score. And at one point I was checking the score and I looked up and Raylene is like, this is not how this evening is going to go unless you want to eat by yourself. Um, that was basically what she said. Uh, <clears throat> but really, why, why was I valuing a basketball score more than my wife. I see parents at restaurants looking at their phones saying, uh-huh, 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 while their four-year-old daughter is telling them about her day. And it breaks my heart. Even as a four-year-old, she instinctively knows that her heart is not being valued in that moment. How, how many of us, just like my story at Roadhouse, will have our phones out during a meeting with someone? When we're meeting with someone at work or coffee, whatever, how many, dinner, how many of us will have our phones out when, when we're meeting with someone? We lay them on the table, face up, face down, doesn't matter. You think, oh, face up is, or face down is so much better. It doesn't matter. Because do you ever think, do we ever think about what that, here's the phone, talking with this person, do you ever think about what that communicates to the person that we're meeting with? Here's what it communicates. You're important, but not more important than whoever else in my life wants to contact me in the next 60 minutes, including notifications from my ring doorbell. Whenever our phone or our Apple Watch vibrates, what do we instinctively do right in the middle of whatever conversation we're in with this person? What do we instinctively do? We look. We look, even if it's just a glance, we have to look. We feel this compulsion to look, which again communicates to this person, this or this is more important than you right now. And, and, and now that, that text message or that notification, it, for a moment anyway, it takes our mind away from this person for a few moments or longer if we feel like we need to respond. Hold on just a sec. And look, I'm just as guilty as anyone here, so I'm not pointing fingers, but I am asking, why are we letting this device overrule any and every relational encounter we have? And what is this doing 
to our capacity to really listen to people and to value them. Texting is a quick, easy way to communicate, but it does nothing to help us become better listeners. It does nothing to help us become better listeners. And I wonder if this is one reason so many young people today struggle with anxiety and depression. It's because we all long for genuine connection, right? To be seen and heard and known. But most of our communication vehicles, texting, emailing, messaging, do not involve any kind of listening, the kind we're talking about here. They don't involve any kind of genuine listening. So we don't really feel seen or heard or known. Now, I know I'm picking on phones uh, because they're so accessible to us, but it could be television. It could be a book that we're reading. It could be a hobby we're working on. It could be surfing the internet. And here's the deal. This is really important. Most of us think we can multitask pretty well. But the reality is, when it comes to listening, I'm not talking about any other activity, when it comes to listening, genuine listening, multitasking does not work. It does not work. Even if you think you can focus on this person while you're responding, just hold on, just you know, responding to text, or they'll keep talking, you know, just, you know, just going to... Even if you think you can do that, you can't. You can't listen and do this at the same time. Even if you think you can stay tuned to the conversation happening and the the meeting that you're in while you quickly respond to an email, you can't. You may be hearing people's voices, but you are not fully engaging in what they are saying. Multitasking and genuine listening are incompatible. They are incompatible incompatible. Okay, so the first absolutely essential element to genuine listening is value. Choosing to value this person more than anything in your life at that moment. You are choosing to value them more than anything else in your life at that moment by giving them your undistracted time and undivided attention. Okay, second essential VIP element of genuine listening is interest. Interest, taking a genuine interest in what this person is saying. Look again at Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Already talked about that. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of of others. See, genuine listening involves more than just hearing the words that someone is speaking. It's more than that. It involves taking an interest in what they are saying. <laughs> taking an interest in what they're saying. It's not, uh, uh, uh. You know, it's more than that. It's taking an interest in what they're saying. <clears throat> so much research. Uh, supports this, but let me, this is fascinating. Dr. John Gottman is a marriage expert for like 35 years, I think. This guy's been around studying thousands and thousands of marriages, videotaping them in labs, thousands of marriages. In the midst of observing all these, this videotape of couples interacting and all that, in the midst of observing all sorts of interactions between people, he and his team stumbled upon. Initially, they didn't see it, and then suddenly 
they saw it. They stumbled upon one simple thing that consistently distinguished healthy marriages from marriages that were headed for divorce. It's what he calls a bid. A bid. Here's how it works. It's when one person in a relationship makes a fairly innocuous comment about something, like, hmm, steaks are on sale at King Supers. Or, it's supposed to snow on Sunday. Or, work was really stressful today. The key is how this other person responds to that bid, to that statement. Do they ignore it and keep looking at Facebook? Do they, do they react to it? Why don't you just quit your job rather than complaining about it all the time? Or do they turn toward the person by responding to the statement? Hmm, how much are the stakes? Or what was so stressful about work? Gottman discovered that in a healthy relationship, the spouse would disregard these bids. And again, I'm talking about just doing things around the kitchen. It's not like they're face-to-face. Just doing things, and then someone makes a comment. Does the person turn towards That's what I'm talking about. It could be in a conversation, but it's just, you know, when they hear a bid like that. So he found out, this is fascinating, he discovered in a healthy relationship, The spouse would disregard these bids only 19% of the time. In marriages that were headed for divorce, the spouse would disregard the bid 82% of the time. 82% of the time would disregard a bid like that, a comment like that. I mean, Gottman's research overwhelmingly proved this point, that emotional connections happen when we take a genuine interest in what someone is saying. Now, there's another place. This is another place where our relational, our listening habits go south. One was just the distractions. This is another place they go south. Instead of focusing on what the other person is saying, many of us have a tendency to steer the conversation towards ourselves. There are all sorts of strategies, subconscious and conscious, that we use. Um, but, but we can steer the conversation back to ourselves to look for the first opening to share our story or, or, or to share our perspective, to steer the conversation to, towards so that we get to talk about what we want to talk about. We want to say what we want to talk about, right? A few years ago when I was teaching on this, I, I used a visual aid that, that I find myself going back to again and again. And imagine that in every conversation you have, There's an arrow between you and this person. There's an arrow. And the arrow points to whoever is the focus of attention in that moment. Okay, in good listening, this arrow is pointed towards the other person. Our focus and interest are upon them and what they are saying. But here's the problem. There is a very strong gravitational pull to get the arrow to point towards us, to turn the arrow toward ourselves multiple times in conversation. So someone gives their opinion about something and we immediately say, I disagree. I think, see, we've just turned the arrow towards us. Or someone tells us about their recent cruise to Alaska and we immediately jump in with, we did a cruise as well. I got sick the first day and ended up being sick the whole week and going to the hospital, well, whatever. 
Now the arrow again is on me. And here's what the problem is. We, we think in doing this, we think, oh, I found a connection with what they're saying and I'll share my story. So now I'm, I'm connecting with them. We think this is a really cool connection with this person. But in reality, we have just turned the arrow toward ourselves. This is, this is, a, this is, a, a natu- this is our natural tendency. Again, we all do it. It's an, our natural tendency. And it's why listening is such a spiritually formative activity for us. Because in listening this way, we are actually choosing to die to ourselves. When we listen the way we're talking about, we are in that moment, we, we have something to say. We are choosing to die to ourselves. We are choosing to serve this person by keeping our attention focused on them. Now, please hear me. I am not talking about a relationship where you never share and the arrow is always, 100%, always point on the other person. It always goes that direction. I'm not talking about that. That would not be a healthy relationship, okay? Um, um, Because what would happen is you would never be known. You'd never be known. You'd never be vulnerable. In fact, some of us here, um, we use this kind of listening as a defense mechanism. We, we, We discovered that we can... As long as we keep asking questions, the arrow just stays focused on them, and we never have to share anything. Um, so, so if that's the if that for you, if you never want the arrow at all po- pointed on you, and no, no one else asking you questions about yourself, that's a whole other issue. Stetson talked about two weeks ago. Listen to that message on vulnerability, um, because relationships are about give and take. Okay, but what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about listening. And how we can become better listeners. What I'm talking about here is the fact that for many of us, we are turning this arrow towards ourselves way too often in our conversations. Some of us are doing it so much, we don't even realize it. We don't even recognize it. And in doing so, we're actually communicating. Even though we think we're communicating, we're really interested in what they're saying because we have a cool story too. What we're actually communicating is that we're not really interested in that other person. We're interested in ourselves. Now, there is a very simple practice. There's a very simple way to grow in this. Um, Very simple. Ask open-ended questions. It's so simple, but it is so transformative. There's this powerful example of this in Luke chapter 24, uh, where two disciples of Jesus are walking to Emmaus, and this is Easter morning. They don't know it's Easter. All they know is that the tomb is empty, and they don't know where Jesus is. So they're very concerned. They're very troubled about all that's been happening in Jerusalem that, that day. So they're on their way to Emmaus. They're walking along, and Luke tells us that as they're walking along, Jesus comes up, and he walks along beside them, but they don't recognize him. They don't recognize him for obvious reasons, right? Verse 17, he asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now think about this. Why did Jesus ask this question? I mean, he knows exactly what they are talking about. He knows exactly what has happened. This isn't about information. Jesus wants to hear their hearts. So they're like, are you the only person in Jerusalem who's not heard about the things that happened? And most of us, most of us would get defensive if someone said something like that to us, right? Not Jesus. Jesus responds by saying, what things? I love that. He asks a second open-ended question. 
which truly communicates how he wants to hear their hearts. He is taking a genuine interest in them. See, so often we enter into many conversations with the idea that our role is to be the dispenser of wisdom, right? Our role, especially with employees and with our kids, our role is to be the dispenser of wisdom. So we are here, we want to be the answer man or woman to our kids' questions or to the, to the employees that we're supervising, right? That's how, that, that's how we kind of approach things. But think about this, what would happen... What would happen if when our teenager or our employee, some employee came to us and asked, what should I do in this situation? We respond by saying, what do you think you should do? And then we just listened. You see, asking open-ended questions enables us, one, it communicates trust, but, but it, it enables us to stay focused on them and to become curious about what they think and what they experienced. And instead of being the, the answer man, the dispenser of wisdom, we now find out the wisdom and we help them discover the wisdom that they, they have within them. That doesn't mean we never give wisdom, but you know what I'm saying? That asking a question can draw so much out of a person. So here's a specific challenge. Homework. Um, in, in your conversations this week, make it a point. In every conversation this week, as many as possible, make it a point to ask open-ended questions. Ask more open-ended questions. Questions like, can you tell me more about that? That's a great question. Tell me more about that. Or, what do you think you should do? Or, how did that make you feel when they said that? Or what happened then? Or what are your plans for the future? Whatever. See, notice, I'm not talking here, this is important, I'm not talking about yes and no questions. Yes or no questions. I'm talking about open-ended. See, yes or no questions tend to stop conversations. And they can also feel accusatory. Uh, well, did you tell your boss what you thought? Uh, no. You know, that, 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 that implies that if they didn't do it, they're stupid right? Because uh, you're, you're basically, your question is a way to make, I do this all the time, so I, I know exactly what this does. I'm so bad at it. I often ask yes or no questions because I am wanting to know if this person did what I think they should have done. People feel that. They feel that. They may answer the question, but inside they know that we're not really interested in their heart, in their perspective. We just want to know if they did what we think they should have done. The more open-ended questions you ask the people around you, taking a genuine interest in their response, the more that person will feel loved by you and the closer your relationships will be. Okay, the third essential aspect of, of genuine VIP listening is presence. Presence, being fully present to this person, not just with your mind, but also with your heart. Allowing yourself to enter into their world in such a way that you actually feel what this person is feeling. In Philippians 2 passage we read a moment ago, Paul describes how Jesus models this for us by becoming a man, taking the very nature of a servant, even though he is God, he moved into our neighborhood, right? The incarnation, he became one of us. He felt what we feel. He experienced what we experience. 
See, we demonstrate this same kind of incarnational love when we choose to enter into what another person is experiencing. It's what Paul describes in Romans 12, verse 15. He says this, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. See, what we're talking about here is empathy. We're talking about empathy, connecting your heart with this other person's heart. Even if you don't feel the emotion that this person is feeling, you know, that's okay. Even if you don't feel the emotion that they're feeling, that's all right. You at least are able to acknowledge it and validate it. As, as Henry Nouwen um, wrote, when someone is truly present to you and listening to you, they encourage you to take your own life seriously. I love that. When someone is really present to you, they encourage you, they validate what you're feeling. They encourage you to take your own life seriously. For many of us, and, and yeah, I'm on this journey with all of us here, so for many of us, we don't ever get to this level of incarnational listening. Why? Because entering into emotions like that makes us uncomfortable. So what do we do instead? We fix. We fix. We give advice. We try to solve the problem um, by speaking truth. But in doing so, we often completely miss the person's heart. I mean, what would it look like to be present to someone's pain? What would it look like? To actually be present to someone's pain without trying to fix it or talk them out of it. To just be present to their pain. I was talking with a woman a few days ago whose husband passed away a year ago, and, and she said how when certain people would stop by after his death offering scriptures and platitudes, she couldn't wait for them to leave. But when other people came and said very little, but just hugged her and wept with her, she wished they would stay longer. When our instinctive response to people in pain is lectures and truth-telling, people's hearts shut down. Their hearts shut down. But when we genuinely listen and allow ourselves to be present to their pain, their hearts open more fully to the presence of Christ. See, this is so cool. By listening well, we become conduits of Jesus' presence. By listening well, we actually become conduits of Jesus' presence, which is an amazing thought. So, for example, let's say you're meeting with someone and they say to you, I feel like God hates me. And you respond by saying, God doesn't hate you, he loves you. What have you just done? You've dismissed how they feel. They probably won't say anything more. Yes, what you said was true. It was true but you didn't explore their heart. You tried to fix it. You tried to fix it. So what if when your friend says, I feel like God hates me, you instead said, wow, that must feel awful. Tell me why you feel that way. Notice, you just acknowledged their emotion and you began exploring it more fully, not trying to fix it, but rather trying to feel it, trying to understand it. 
So rather than shutting the person's heart down, you allow it to open, which is where Jesus does his best work. Eventually in Luke 24, Jesus did share truth with them. But he began the conversation by asking them what was going on and how they were processing it. See, genuine listening is a profound and powerful demonstration of Christ-like love. Our choosing to pursue a listening life will help the people around us be seen, feel seen and heard and known, which will transform our relationships. But there's actually something else we discover as we pursue a listening life. It becomes a window into our own hearts as well. Here's what I mean by that. If we struggle to really listen to people, if we find ourselves getting defensive or always turning the conversation to ourselves or always wanting to offer a quick fix, if that's our tendency, we would do well to stop and ask Jesus, why am I responding this way? Why do I have such a hard time listening? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it my desire to be in control? What is at the root of our difficulty in listening? That's some fertile soil to explore with Jesus. Because notice again, this whole topic of listening is actually, a, it's not about technique. It is a spiritual formation issue for each of us. It's not just about improving our relationships. It's also about us it's a way for us to become more and more like Jesus. In preparation for this message, I came across, uh, someone actually recommended this book um, to me a few years ago called The Listening Life by Adam McHugh. It is fantastic. I think I highlighted about the entire book. It's so good. The Listening Life. But at one point, the author makes this comment. The question that drives us is this. How would our relationships change? And how would we change if we approached every situation with the intention of listening first? I have a feeling it would change everything. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to take the things we're hearing and to apply them now to our own hearts and lives. So in the presence of the Holy Spirit, let's just take a moment, a few moments here and reflect upon how well we listen to other people. Just think about that in your own life. This isn't about the person you're sitting next to. This is about just you. How well do you listen And if you know listening is a struggle, it's something you could grow in. I think for all of us, we could grow in. If it's a struggle, let's just ask Jesus. Just take a moment and ask Jesus, why, Jesus, why do I struggle to listen to people? Just ask him.
So whatever reason he brings to mind, let's just take a moment and just ask him to forgive us. Jesus, forgive me for my pride, my self-centeredness, my whatever it is, my lack of interest or value. Just ask him to forgive you. And Lord, help us, we ask forgiveness, and just help us love the way you love. Help us listen well. And so in light of that, I want you to think of a person, just think of one person in your life that you have maybe not listened as well to as you would like to. You haven't listened to them well. Maybe it's a child, it's a spouse, a parent, a coworker, just someone in your life. I want you to see that person in your mind's eye. Just imagine them. So as you're seeing that person, I want you to ask Jesus to help you value them by giving your undivided attention to them the next time you're able to be with them. Just ask him to help you value them, to see them the way he does Now ask Jesus to help you take an interest in them, keeping the arrow pointed in their direction and taking an interest in them. Just ask Jesus to help you do that. By asking open-ended questions, just keeping an interest in them. And then as you're again imagining this person, just ask Jesus to help you be present to them with your heart, listening with empathy rather than with solutions. So God, you've heard our prayers. We really, we thank you for this very practical way that all of us can pour life into our relationships. And we have the opportunity dozens of times every day. So would you help us grow in this to love the way you love, Jesus? Thank you. God, thank you for being a God who hears us. It's amazing. You are a listening God. You hear our prayers. You hear our groans and our cries. You hear our praise. We're so grateful that you listen to us. Your ear is tuned and turned towards us. Thank you, God. So, Lord, we want to just fill this room with praise, knowing that you are listening. So set us free to do that. Why don't we stand as as, uh, we worship the Lord. If you want to respond by receiving prayer, kneeling to my right and left. Jesus, we love you, we celebrate you, we want to worship you, and we know that you hear us, and this delights your heart.